So good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Shuso Brad. I am one of the priests with the Dragonfly Sangha. Uh, and this evening, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, the concept of shunyata, or emptiness, in Buddhism. Um, as you know, for me, in, in my practice, it was one of those concepts, one of those words that I, I struggled with a bit. I wasn't quite sure what it really meant. Uh, and so I wanted to share some thoughts with you, and, and hopefully you find this talk uh, beneficial in that regard. Um, so I, I remember a few years ago, I was reading a, a book on, on Taoism. And Taoism is very important in my, my spiritual heritage, uh, because I came, to the, I came to Buddhism through Taoism. Uh, uh, because of and then to from Taoism to uh, the Zen tradition, um, because of you know Zen and Taoism have a lot to do with one another because of the Dharma's um, path through China, uh, and there is a the the book mentioned a a popular painting in China called the Three Vinegar Tasters, uh, and the Three Vinegar Tasters um, picture of of three men. Uh, each tasting vinegar, and they have a very different expression on their face. So the first vinegar taster is Confucius, and he dips his finger in the vinegar and tastes it. And the vinegar is is uh, 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 means life. It's a metaphor for life. And so Confucius tastes the vinegar, and he has a very sour expression on his face. Um, the implication being that Confucianism, with its focus on, on filial piety and on law and tradition. It's very sour, tough to do, right? And then the Buddha dips his finger in the vinegar and tastes it, has a very bitter expression on his face. Um, because Buddhism, what does Buddhism talk about? Buddhism talks about suffering um, and emptiness, right? And then Lao Tzu, who is one of the, the main teachers in Taoism, taste the uh, the vinegar and has a very sweet expression. And this, of course, was meant to say that, you know, Taoism is this very, you know, beautiful understanding of world and life is very sweet. And I remember, I, I even though I loved uh, uh, Taoism, I had a very, I was a little offended by this imagery uh, because I'm like, well, hold on, you know, Buddhism is a very beautiful tradition, inspires a very warm and gentle life. Why wouldn't the Buddha have a very sweet expression on his face. Um, but again, I understand why to a lot, you know, to, to folks who uh, maybe are, are not very familiar with Buddhism, uh, they, they see these words talked about, they hear about dukkha or suffering, or they hear about shunyata or emptiness, and they're like, boy, that sounds dour. <laughs> That's the way, you know, it does, where's your talk about grace and heaven and, you know, bliss and things like that, right? Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to talk about this topic because as, as I hope you'll see, emptiness really is uh, a very beautiful and sweet thing. Um, but, but here's the thing. Emptiness is a tricky concept because the word emptiness is a very tricky word in our language. You know, we think I feel empty. My bank account is empty. This room is empty. You know, the implication, of course, being that everything would be so much better if it were full. You know, I feel full of love. The, the glass is full, you know. And even, you know, the, the, the glass is half empty means that person's an optimist. 
or half full rather. And the person who says the glass is half empty, well, they're the pessimist, right? Um, but emptiness in Buddhism is not a pessimistic thing. It's not about nothingness. It's not about nihilism and all the other things that emptiness might mean. What emptiness is in our tradition is a way of viewing the world that distinguishes between what we think we see and the way things really are. Because conventionally, we see the world influenced by what we want to see uh, and a layer of commentary that kind of fits our narrative of how we understand things. Um, but things aren't always as they seem. Uh, so let's explore what's meant by emptiness. And, and to do that, we need to talk about, well, empty of what, right? Things just can't be empty. Um, you know, when you say the room is empty, the implication is, well, there should be people in this room or furniture. My bank account is empty, implying there should be money in there, right? So when we say something is empty, we have to answer the question, well, empty of what? And when we talk about everything being empty, as we do in Buddhism, uh, we need to say, well, what is everything empty of? And the answer is empty of intrinsic existence. And I like that word intrinsic. Intrinsic means contained wholly within itself. So sort of all by itself, self-contained, doesn't need anything else outside, doesn't depend on anything else outside. Intrinsically existent. And even from a conventional perspective, we can see that really nothing is contained wholly within itself. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, the, the beloved Zen monk is well known for his thoughts on um, how you can see a cloud in a piece of paper, you know, and he talks about how the, the paper um, contains the, the tree that it was made from, the rain that grew the tree and the sunshine and the cloud that, that gave the rain, the lumberjack who cut down the tree, the trucks who transported it, the machines that processed it, so on and so forth. So we can very quickly see the piece of paper on its own is empty of an intrinsic self-contained existence and is full of everything that brought it into being. Um, and it also is full of the possibility of becoming anything, a love letter, a sheet of music, uh, a paper airplane. And everything is like that sheet of paper. So we often look at ourselves and at other people and we instantly fill them up with our ideas about what they are and what they're not. And we ossify things and ossify. Ossification is another word I really like. Ossification means to make rigid, sterile or unimaginative, right? We freeze it up. We lock it. We say it's this and it can only be this. And we oftentimes go through life seeing things, including ourselves, as ossified and locked in with no vacancy signs because everything's full already of ideas. Um, and we assume that we can take things on that face value, the way we see things up front, the way we tell ourselves we see things. And we, we do often think of emptiness as meaning that something is lacking, that it doesn't have something. But emptiness, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, uh, more is a very positive thing. You know, if something is empty, it can be filled. An empty cup, I can put water in it. I can put orange juice in it. 
Um, the emptiness between sounds, between notes and music, are what make music happen, right? An empty schedule or an empty page is full of possibility. Oh, what can I do today? I don't have anything on my calendar. That's great. Um, and when your mind isn't full of thoughts and worries, you're much more available to connect with the people around you because you're not locked in your brain. You're not full up. When we talk about emptiness, we do talk about everything being empty in this way. Um, you know, when we say that things are empty or shunya, you know, shunya meaning empty, shunyata being emptiness. Um, we say this because everything is dependent on something else. Uh, the, the great monk uh, Nagarjuna wrote, since nothing has arisen without depending on something, there is nothing that is not empty. Uh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of negative words, a lot of double negatives, but essentially saying that everything is, is open. Everything is connected. Nothing is locked in on its own. And there's a, a, a great sutra that talks about this a bit. It's a, a relatively short sutra, the Heart Sutra, um, talks about the five skandhas and how they're empty. And the skandhas in Buddhism... Um, you know, it's often known as the five aggregates or the five heaps, the five piles of stuff that, that everyone is made out of. They say everyone's made out of form or matter. So our skin and bones, right? You know, our heritage, our genetics, uh, sensation. So our, our five senses, you know, um, sight, smell, taste, uh, and the sixth sense of the mind, of the, the, the thought, um, third is perception so these are the labels that we give things chairs dogs my computer screen um, volition or mental formations as we call them this is our um, our thoughts and emotions and intentions so i like that dog i don't like that you know thing over there um, and this of course gives rise to our karma our action and our intention and then the fifth skanda is consciousness so this is awareness um, this is our our sense of self so all of those you know, all of that form that we are perceiving and labeling and creating opinions about and taking action on, it's because there's a there's an eye behind all of this that we perceive. And the Heart Sutra kind of goes line by line, says, look, form is empty, empty of intrinsic existence. Sensation, perception, volition, consciousness, all of these things are empty. And, and again, like I said, you know, it's, it's one side of emptiness is a very sort of negative, and I don't mean negative meaning pessimistic, I mean negative in that we're talking about it in that what things are not, what things do not have. But there is a very optimistic and positive side of emptiness, um, because emptiness is a tool to keep us from isolating ourselves. We're not rigid and ossified. We're not separate from everyone around us and, and existing in and of ourselves. Um, if you only focus on emptiness as talking about what we don't have, you're missing, you're, you're kind of only seeing half of, of the truth and you're missing honestly the best part of, of what emptiness uh, affords us. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said before about our practice is that first and foremost, what we do, we do to relieve suffering. 
This is why we practice, to relieve suffering in ourselves, to relieve suffering in other people, those around us. And we suffer because it's easy to live life thinking that we're locked in and that things are fixed and can be possessed and won't change. That things are not empty, in other words. And emptiness, this truth of emptiness, reveals to us that life is not like that. Life is dynamic and life is connected. We're not isolated and separate and frozen. So emptiness essentially is about connection because it means that we are open and have room for one another and that there's nothing about us that makes it impossible to connect with other people. You know, there's nothing about them that makes it impossible for us to connect with them. There's no independent, intrinsic existence. There's no unchanging, ossified self. I've heard emptiness referred to as everything taken together. I love that phrase. Everything taken together. Oneness, right? Emptiness makes oneness possible. And that inner connection, that interdependence that we all depend on each other, like that piece of paper um, that Thich Nhat Hanh talks about, uh, it means a few things about us. You know, that everything is connected. It means first the, the possibility of, of you existing, of, of me existing, you know, was always there in your parents, in our grandparents, in our great-grandparents, in every meal they ate and everything they did, their good days and their bad days, that potential for you, the possibility that you would eventually come around was always there. And that's beautiful. It also means that in you, there is a potential for innumerable great things to come out of you, for you to do, things to happen. In our Sangha, we often talk about uh, changing the flow of a waterfall or a river. Water's been flowing in the same channel for thousands of years, but you place a boulder in the path and now the water flows in a different direction. Because you can't change the upstream water. You can't change what's already happened, what's happened in the past. But because of emptiness, because things are not frozen in, because life is not intrinsically existing, self-contained, rigid and sterile, there's possibility to change the flow for anything to happen tomorrow, for you to do something different today. New connections, new relationships, new thoughts and emotions, new actions, new habits. And so how does this show up in our daily life? Well, emptiness is our default state, right? Think of a photograph. You go out onto a, a hillside and you take a picture of the landscape, a little rectangle. Um, it's all one, everything taken together. No divisions or labels, just boom, there's that picture. But then you notice there's a squirrel in that picture. You're like, ah, you know, squirrels are pesky. They get at my bird feeders and eat all the food. And you notice, oh, the squirrel's on a, I think that's a maple tree. And well, the, oh, I love how the leaves are red in that tree because I love fall. I love when the, the leaves turn. Um, oh, there's a road. Oh, that's Somerset Drive, I think, that windy road through there. And that house, oh, that's uh, that's Emily's house. Uh, oh, we have a complicated romantic history. 
And then you start filling up the picture, right? Now, suddenly the picture is not just a picture of everything taken together. It's a picture of Emily's house where we have a complicated romantic relationship, right? This is how suffering arises. Because we're in the habit of not seeing things as they really are, but is seeing things and how they appear to us. And we load them up with memories, with stories, and assumptions, and desires. And despite emptiness being our natural state, we can also see from that, that analogy that filling things up is a very natural ego activity, right? Even though our, our true self, our Buddha nature is spacious and connected, one, right? Our ego self needs to operate in that realm of distinctions, conventionally, right? Where there's this notion of absolute and conventional truth at play here. And honestly, both are essential to understand how reality is expressed. You know, think if, if Emily calls me and says, hey, I think there's an intruder at my house or something like that, you know, I'm not going to, that's very hard for me to call the cops in a, in a space of oneness and make no distinctions. Uh, instead, I have to say like, oh, hey, you know, Emily's house on Somerset Drive, could you please get there as soon as possible, right? And by the way, we have a complicated past. So <laughs> that, that conventional way of thinking is, is something we need to do on a daily basis. But I want to make sure that from a, a place of emptiness, from the perspective of emptiness, that we don't let those conventional distinctions lead to a real separation, but rather to oneness. Because we can be amazed at how all these distinct things can be one and depend on each other. And that's a beautiful thing to realize. You can only talk about oneness in the context of the things, right? And honestly, you can only talk about the things because they're empty in the context and perspective of, of oneness. And, and this is expressed in our three principles of oneness or marks of reality that there is suffering, but suffering leads to compassion. That things are impermanent. They're not locked in, but that leads to potential and creative change, new habits, a new tomorrow changing the flow of the stream with that boulder and emptiness, spaciousness, right? This lack of an intrinsic existence makes it possible for us to connect to other people because we're not all frozen lumps of ice. The distinctions that we see when we make those labels, they're not real. We all actually depend on each other. And so I hope that this talk was helpful to you uh, in talking a bit about emptiness. Like I said, emptiness was something that, that hooked me a little bit because it was such a, it loomed large in my practice. I know this is important, but I don't quite get it. What's the Heart Sutra about? What does it mean that everything is empty? And how can that not be something that's nihilistic and pessimistic? And I, I hope that some of what I shared uh, in this talk will help you in that regard as well to understand what emptiness means and, and why it's such an important uh, concept in our Buddhist practice. So I, I hope that you found this talk useful. And if you would like to, to learn more about our practice uh, or about the Dharma, 
Um, or you want someone to talk to. Maybe you're in a position where you're like, man, I, I really want to change the flow of that waterfall. <laughs> I really want to change the flow of that stream. Um, you can visit our website, um, asksenseitoni.com, dragonflysanga.com, and you can find information about uh, our community, uh, about our counseling services. Um, but again, I hope this was, was helpful to you, and I hope that you all uh, have a wonderful week. So thank you.